Hi, you are listening to High Value Women, brought to you by the New Feminist Magazine. We are your hosts, Ellie Massiara Fielding. Namaste. It's the saintly one, the high priestess, the um, the Pope, <laughs> if you will, Adam Sarsfati Rawlings. Beautifully done. Beautifully Thank done. Thank you. I love it. This episode, we are, um, I think it was graciously called the Toxic Jesus Train because we're going to be talking about <laughs> <laughs> Christianity and feminism and uh, the beautiful relationship they have, uh, obviously. Um, which, you know what, was a really bold choice for a weekday evening, guys. <laughs> yeah, just for choice. context, guys, we are recording this on a Tuesday evening. Like, yeah, that, that was bold. <laughs> and but... excitingly... We also have an extra special guest. Now, you've probably seen her name on the website because she's probably our most prolific writer. And she's also happens to be a really great friend to me and Ellie. So, Homegirl, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell the people who you are. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Daisy Edwards. I'm, yeah, I'm an editor for The New Feminist. And I've been an editor for many years now. Um, oh yeah since so yeah since way I, I count myself as like a big name on campus when it comes to the new feminist you know <laughs> and she's <laughs> right the actually. Daisy Edwards it's the yeah, Daisy the Edwards Daisy. <laughs> and luckily um I don't mind doing this topic which is hella deep on a weekday evening because Daisy is able to take the most tragic of topic and make it hilarious so <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, luckily you know that is Daisy's talent the... yeah <laughs> queen if queen of dark humor <laughs> which we love well, what can you say you know it's a good coping mechanism i think <laughs> and she, absolutely it, it might go a bit awry when talking about uh religion but <laughs> i mean you'll just see this is like me writing any article and i go through about three stages of grief whenever i'm writing them and i'm like no this is too funny this is too funny bring it back <laughs> oh no it's amazing uh if we don't um, laugh or cry yeah, literally. you're not laughing, you're not that. learning, you know. Yeah. So, should we jump into the old uh, Femi facts and thoughts? Yes, shall we? Yeah, let's who wants do to it, go, Who are we going first? Mine's really depressing if you want to get mine out of the way. Yeah, 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 you yeah, go yeah, first. Well. <laughs> so, I'm going to start with a question. If we, actually, it's kind of related to the topic in a roundabout way. Okay. Um if we found ourselves at the end of the world in an apocalypse, do y'all want to live? Nah, I'm out. I just don't think I would make it. Honestly. Like respectfully, no. <laughs> See, I'm in the exact same camp as Ellie and I'll tell you why. Because every single apocalyptic movie, TV show, book, it reflects just, I mean like Handmaid's Tale as an example, mm. shit's bad for the girlies. Like... I don't want to be around for none of that. And it just makes you realize how fragile the sort of position that women, femme people, queer people, people of color have in society. Because the second that we lose our stability, we also lose all of our rights. And that would never happen to like cis straight white men. Mm. And I was just thinking about that when I was having a cup of tea, like about an hour before we recorded this and thought, oh, that's really depressing. But also that's probably a pretty good femme thought. So... No, that yeah. is a good Femi thought. Like, you have, did you ever have like uh, that sort of discussion with your friends about like what in your like friend group, what everybody's like role would be in like a zombie yes. apocalypse? Because this is the most depressing thing ever. But when I um had that conversation with my like school friends back back at school, 
um they gave everybody like a role and I was like what's my role and they were like um you could like reproduce uh, what? what i'm really not good for anything oh my god yeah that was fucking depressing that's um, the, literally the most um that's the rudest one they could have said it, it, no, it couldn't have been ruder but uh, like to to be completely honest it wasn't Are based your on friends nothing gilead <laughs> like <laughs> ellie's besties gilead <laughs> no but they were kind of sh- not great to be mm. honest. i mean you know daisy you know what, growing though, up in some... like yeah my <laughs> role would be if i don't run into the mushroom cloud straight away which is what my plan a is if that option's not there for some reason i'm literally i'm gonna start a cult just because that's the <laughs> only way i'm gonna possibly survive is if i use my knowledge of religion to wield power and save myself Okay. That's like that's my plan for the apocalypse. If I don't get to die straight away and I don't have the like the nerve to kill myself, which is probably what I'd want to do. Sorry for being grim. Um <laughs> but if I didn't do that, then I'd be like, right, we've got to start a cult, lads. I'm definitely thinking like in the new feminist yearbook, most likely to start a cult would be Adam. Oh, one hundred percent. Like, hands down, I'd vote for that. But oh, then I also you. am like, I don't think I have particularly good leadership qualities. Um and I also just think, I, if I ever get to the apocalypse, I just, I don't think I'll make it. But not just, be, like, I'll just die in some really stupid way. Like, oh, Bessie, no, <laughs> I, I, I totally think, relate. Do you ever think, like, my my thing when I think about the apocalypse, is like, what happens if you get, like, you know, your braces on just before you go into the apocalypse? And then all of That's the such a valid question. Die, and then you're just stuck with them. For the rest of your life or like you know we have to like I ping just, them off it doesn't feel realistic you know like there's so many home comforts i would just be like no not for me thanks yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm um i'm busy that day anyway so <laughs> what can you do sorry guys can't make it to the apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> got taylor swift tickets maybe next time <laughs> no trust and believe if the apocalypse coincides with when I see Taylor Swift, best believe I'm still going to that concert. I'm like, Taylor Allison Swift, you'll put this show on and then the world can end. <laughs> I mean, when I was about, I think it was like my 12th birthday, um, my parents had planned me like a really big Disney-themed birthday party. Um, but everyone was saying on the news that the day before my birthday, oh, the world was going to end. Oh, was it like the 2012 thing? Yeah, and I was like, um, absolutely not, because I haven't opened my presents yet. Like, like, right? You're, like, you're like, so real for that. Yeah, I no. can't. I'm sorry. The the black hole can't consume us until I've opened all of my gifts. <laughs> I was freaked the fuck out at 2012. Like, I actually went to my physics teacher and I was like, "Is is it actually gonna?" Because like, I can't cope. I'm having severe anxiety. I've had nightmares. I have for black months. hole anxiety constantly. <laughs> I'm like those things. There's nothing you can do. Like, I'm sorry, Adam. <laughs> and you know what? That's a true story as well. You can laugh at me all you want. Oh, no, I really am going to be rinsing you for that for a while now. <laughs> and My on that note, <laughs> oh, trust and believe. When I meet your mom, I'm going to be like, right, you got to get, you got to get in with me on this. Like, we need to start taking the piss. <laughs> but 
moving on before we dive too deep into the end of the world and like speak it into yes, existence to cause power manifestation manifestation yeah <laughs> um ellie do you want to dive in with your femi fat for feeling or flavor <laughs> flavor one, i'm flavor. gonna do that one yeah i'm gonna do that one one time <laughs> um yeah so chess you know we know about chess yes um did you know that before there was the queen piece it was actually a vizier vizier i'm not sure how you say it uh, or an advisor so the queen didn't exist it was like the king's advisor and then um it wasn't until chess made its way to europe in the middle ages because before that it was persian um i think persian or it was actually it's, it was invented in india oh, it originally oh, really? it People originated lying to me. it well what we can kind of consider proto chess was invented in hindu courts and then when islam sort of came to india by 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 persians it uh, then sort of got transmitted uh, to persian culture then that's kind of where chess as we know it began okay but its so origins in india a, i'm I, i'm a step ahead then fair enough i'm mm. sorry shout out to, to india for for inventing it <laughs> big up my man <laughs> Okay, <laughs> India, you would have loved chess. <laughs> um, so there's anyway, an advisor. Yeah. Uh some historians speculate that um it was influenced by like the powerful European queens that we had, um, and the increasing influence of women in the medieval courts. Um oh. so then we they changed it for the queen piece, which is now like obviously the most powerful piece on the board, which is pretty cool. Um and I feel like sometimes we forget that every now and again in history we had like a little win like a tiny 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 little win obviously not big wins <laughs> yeah but a nice little moment for us and i guess that's we've got them. a chess piece and we've got breweries that's it <laughs> 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 what more could we possibly ask for man we are spoiled who needs feminism anymore really you know? <laughs> close the magazine cancel the podcast job's done lads <laughs> we did it <laughs> So, about well, yours daisy my, well yeah, yeah my fact is um very on brand for today's episode um mm-hmm. I, today i did find this out from a man so i do apologize um, no cancelled <laughs> sorry <laughs> find it new fact no, I'm kidding. Redacted. <laughs> my, my thing is <laughs> the swat team burst in my window <laughs> um, just in all pink <laughs> of course <laughs> um so mine is actually about um well we'll talk a bit more about this later but obviously you know in the bible famously written by only men um but uh in the bible there was a few mentions of female deacons in churches which was quite interesting but also in 2021 um apparently excavations at the site of a six thousand year old byzantine basilica revealed mosaics that provided evidence of women serving primarily as ministers in early, the early christendom so wait how old is this 1600 1600 yeah. yeah did i say sixteen thousand? i meant 16, you did i was like <laughs> i just saw numbers and i was like what <laughs> um but yeah no so and paul's letters uh to the corinthians also mention a female deacon so um and her name was phoebe so uh shout out to my cousin phoebe uh as well <laughs> <laughs> Hi, phoebe. but yeah um 
Shout yeah, out no, to Phoebe uh, Bridges as well. Love Phoebe her. Yeah, while while uh, we're here, Phoebe, Phoebe Buffet. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, I actually didn't know uh, that there was any, well, I knew there were some women, like big, you know, big women in the Bible, but um, I didn't know that any of them had uh, leadership roles, which is interesting considering then, you know, the rules that came uh, from that since so yeah i thought that's quite interesting it, was what, um, it is interesting what's a deacon <laughs> a deacon's kind of like <laughs> a um they're kind of like a helper to a priest so they are ordained at least okay. this is like from a catholic perspective i don't know if it's the same in other denominations but they are ordained so they have religious authority um, and they do certain things but they can't like they're not like a fully fledged priest so for example catholic deacons can marry um, oh, okay. because they're not fully ascended to the priesthood um so it's kind of like it's like a step before being a priest deacons are yeah a primarily a catholic thing because um obviously at the time uh a lot of what we know is like protestantism you know in the uk hadn't been invented yet because henry yeah. VIII hadn't you know decided to get remarried martin hadn't but, done his yeah. list yet no, right exactly. okay um right well i just realized i totally forgot that you studied religion and uh, two religion degrees you have two religion degrees and uh daisy grew up christian so this i, I am it. i just yeah. i just realized it's just <laughs> dawned on me now that i am well out of my comfort zone <laughs> <It's a trap. laughs> so, welcome to your history a, lesson ellie sit yeah, down this is gonna be a learning, a learning one for me oh phoebe what a bridge why don't we shout out her shit oh, oh, gosh, shout out period exactly like, damn <laughs> I okay. was thinking, so like, we've missed we one. Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I shall give Phoebe, Phoebe Buffet before Phoebe <laughs> And your cousin Phoebe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's a slave too, so. <laughs> you know what? Big up all the Phoebes. Yeah, mm. big up the Phoebes. I don't know about Phoebe. No, I, I also actually. didn't realise that Phoebe was a biblical name. Me neither. Mm. Wow, extra fact. Oh my God, not you guys getting a free extra fact. Oh, sorry. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> so lucky. You know, don't apologize. If anything, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, let's dive in then because Toxic Jesus is... Train. The Toxic <laughs> Jesus Train. This is new territory for me. Toxic I really do Jesus not know much train. about Christianity or just sort of religion in general. I know like the very basic facts. So I'm actually quite excited to learn about it. And like the number it did on you, Daisy. <laughs> Oh boy but you know also there are some good bits that i obviously feel like i should shout out you know yeah of course of course yeah <laughs> yeah the the <laughs> values and that <laughs> yeah i mean fundamentally i mean yeah some of the church is quite pretty mine wasn't growing up mine was very wow. very 80s um <laughs> But, uh, you know, Protestant sure churches it... are usually a bit mad though, aren't they? Yeah, it had like sort of very weird leathery green chairs, which uh, and like, the, yeah, like it was a weird vibe, very damp. But like they've redone it now. They did a big um, church renovation fund thing. So they were like, oh, it'll be done. Are they, I think they started it when I was like 15 and it's still not done. So <laughs> oh, it nice. really just it's taking a while. That funding um, is <laughs> dripping in. Yeah, they were like just the roof. <laughs> it's <laughs> always a bloody roof in churches. It yeah. always is. It always right. Is. So tell us a bit about your background, like how you grew up. What was it like? 
how religious are we talking? Um, so yeah, my parents were like the Christians, you know, of like I I grew up extremely Christian. So I grew up in a Baptist church, which I think a lot of people think when they think Baptist church, they think um like Southern Baptist, like American. Um, but um British Baptist is kind of I'd say a lot less, you know, gospel music and a lot more not wanting women to be uh leaders. Oh. <laughs> so but um so it's quite yeah, puritanical, was, isn't it? It is very yeah, it's fairly puritanical and it's also um especially in the sort of twenty tens, which is like, you know, I wasn't really conscious before then. Um, I think <laughs> that in my home church went through like a big it's it's gone through a massive like character arc. It's like doing really it's it's doing quite well now. But at the time it was a weird space because I grew up in this church. My grandparents had gone there, my granddad was a um my granddad was the caretaker there and my grandma was the like she did fl- like all the flowers every Sunday. So they had this like link to it. And then my mom became um the children and families worker at the church. So she was there um every single day Um, and then um obviously you know we were there a lot as well I was literally there after school for I don't know youth band and like every single conceivable event they throw at church it was like Monday to Friday I was there for something Um, wow so I did spend a lot of my time in the building like at church um but yeah, no, I think interestingly for me, because my mom was a children and families worker, and at the time my church was very against um, women in leadership because they believed, we. so in the 80s, it used to be quite big. Like it had like this big, there was a big revival movement in the, um, in the especially in the Baptist church and like loads of people coming to church. Like it was a massive thing. Um, you read about it and it's just like, like massive in the 70s and 80s I think people it was like the moment wasn't it yeah people were a lot more spiritual at the time and and yeah my home church like my dad told me there was like people queuing out the door to be able to like come in um which is so funny now when I look at it and I'm like really like I was shocked by that but they had this like superstar preacher who um he since died now but he he was like everyone loved him they would you know go and speak to him like they'd listen to his talks he'd like speak around the world um and he was like amazing apparently I never saw him speak because he was kind of he stopped speaking at my home church by the time I was about probably like still a kid and my parents had done this thing where they'd gone off to do a church plant so they they take the main church and then because it's so doing so well they like graft off a few people from that church and put them in a different church to like make it you know grow into a beautiful tree in a new church and then it's meant to like spread it's kind of like a pyramid scheme but for churches (laughs) like (laughs) and so I spent um of probably my first sort of five or six years of life in a in a plant in a church plant that was a lot smaller than my main church and then basically the plant church said you either have to make a decision like you have to stop being a member at your old church or become a member here so my parents had a lot of allegiance to that church so they um went back to our home church um but yeah they like met there my parents um oh wow yeah like 
they went my mum was doing well my mum and dad were doing a mission trip I don't know if you've heard of those before where yeah um, yes. they like go out and build a school or something strong so feelings about the, them yeah so they went to the um Dominican Republic but yeah they met in like top deck of their church so like in the youth bit and my dad's always like wow. I turned to the side and saw the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen and my mum was like I don't know he looked really weird he was wearing weird clothes so um yeah I know that church is like pretty much 90% of my childhood life was spent in that wow. building so but- I was want to ask you kind of for Ellie's benefit but also mm. for our listeners benefit because I know a little bit about Baptist like Baptist churches not a lot mm-hmm. I didn't really specialize in Christianity when I studied religion but can you explain a little bit like ba- like a elevator pitch like what the theology is like what do the church actually believe what do they teach just yeah, to kind yeah, of set the tone for us yeah. okay so Baptist church is um they believe in full body baptism so full body immersion yes. so a as lot an of people adult, are like, I assume. Um, as an adult, yeah. So, um, you often, if people get christened as a baby, then that's someone you know. That's you being like, my baby is a Christian. Whereas, in Baptist churches, they dedicate um, babies, and the mom and dad say, "I'm going to raise this child as a Christian." But then, when you are ready, you make the decision to become um to to get baptized in the church and right. only then well that was the way my church worked I don't know if it's the same with other Baptist churches but only then were you actually allowed to become a church member so from what I know that's quite consistent across adult baptism yeah churches. It, I think it's fairly consistent so you become a member and then you're allowed to go and like vote in church meetings and have a say so even though my church I was going there for 20 years of my life um, I actually never became a church member because I was baptized when I was 14, um, which I actually now retrospectively think was too young because like nothing had happened to me yet. So I was like, yeah, God's fine. Like my life's great. And then like two years later, I was like, wow, I really jumped the gun there. <laughs> oh, bless <laughs> you. saved my life. Um, so, um, but yeah, no. So when I, so I actually didn't become a member because my youth pastor let slip in a we were doing some pod group which is like when they get together um kids of a certain age and you like discuss the bible um he actually let slip that gay like uh gay people couldn't become members at the church so therefore couldn't vote damn it you know so i was like well um can people who are divorced do it because you know in the bible it does say that every sin weighs the same in heaven so if you were to you know, steal a car or like, you know, lie, that's, that's still a sin. A sin doesn't weigh more or less dependent yeah. on, you know, or hold just, you know, more or less power dependent on what you do. So, um, you know, they're apparently actively sinning, but like divorce is still a sin, you know? And um, I was like, so divorcees can become members, but, you know, gay, gay people can't. And then they were like, so you found a bit like, of hypocrisy there. Yeah. And I think that was like the first crack in the, I mean it wasn't the first one but it was the first time I was like oh okay I actually this is someone physically telling me something I assumed like I Mm. assumed a lot of stuff and then I heard that and I was like ah okay this is like the first thing that I was like oh so I yeah I decided on that basis then you know I wouldn't become a member until everyone can become a member because like and that's allyship right there babes (laughs) yeah no it fully is (laughs) well like and the thing is it's like we're all born out of sin that's what the bible says you know because of um 
because Adam and Eve ate the apple and left, you know, had to leave the Garden of Eden. Oh, so born... Baptists believe original sin then? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. I thought that yeah, was mostly so... just a Catholic Orthodox thing, but cool. Good no, to know. Um, most, most churches do believe in original sin. Um, they do believe that if you are... Um, oh, sorry, I got so distracted as well from the baptism thing. But uh, with, also with full body baptism, it's not like the water's holy, so it's not holy water. It's got just it. it's just symbolic of being, um, you know, dunked and then coming up and you're cleansed. Yeah. yeah. And so often right. you like, tell a testimony and you say vows like you would as a uh, when you're getting married that says, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus for all of my life and I'm going to do this. Wow. And generally, people are like, I'd say. I've seen people as young as 11 get baptized and people, That's a... but like people a lot older get baptized. Really intense um, experience. It's, it's very intense, but it's kind of assumed of you and you do get baptism classes. So it's not like you suddenly, you could, if you didn't want to do it, you could say no, but um, but I'm surprised still that like some people I hear like, Oh, someone so got baptized. And I'm like, Oh wow. They've been at the church for years. And I'm like still surprised surprised that people haven't been baptized yet like yeah uh, so I don't know I think it's interesting because of that um I'd say actually Baptist Baptist churches as well are like they all make decisions as a church so you know everything is done by um everything's done by church meetings um so that's quite good about that because then it's not like one person's making a decision for the whole church so how does that work how does that work you know because just with anything with society when there's a group of people how do you make decisions as a group well that's so that's the thing so it's so this how leadership sort of works in a baptist church is you've got your main pastor you've got your head pastor and then you've got an associate pastor and then you've got elders and elders are like people who are wise members of the congregation and they're actually presented by the other elders to the church a church meeting and then it's up to the church to vote basically just hands up like how many people want them to be you know an elder so they're meant to be seen right. so in the bible there's um this thing where you have to go to your elders um or like if you don't know something you go to a older wiser person you know an older godlier person to tell you about how to live your life so um interestingly up until about i'd say 2016 um my church still believes and most people there still believe actually that women shouldn't lead men women can't lead men women can only lead other women and children so mm, when my- i'm gonna call bullshit on that <laughs> um which is incredibly misogynistic and and it's not based in the bible at all it's based off a passage from uh paul writing to i think he's writing to the Philippians. Oh, I, I'd have I to double check. Yeah. It's one of them, though. Yeah, it's either the Corinthians or the Philippians. Because doesn't about... he say, like, if you hear something in church that you don't understand, don't ask the priest, ask your husband when you get home? Yeah. The yeah. fuck? Got it. <laughs> no, he, but he also said, he's basically talking about one specific um, church where he said women shouldn't speak because he's basically saying all these women are causing drama in the church like they shouldn't speak but he's talking about a specific church he's not talking about all women um although a lot of the bible obviously especially the old testament which is what they were basing their views on was old jewish law so um yeah so in the bible you've got the old testament which is uh the same as the jewish torah right right, right and then right. the new testament is um 
anything written after Jesus was born. So gotcha. um, that bit's the bit that we have, the Christians have. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. okay. so um, a thing to note as well. Um, so when I was a teacher, I taught Judaism pretty much all year. That mm-hmm. was all I taught, really, um, just because of how my timetables worked. The Jewish faith as well, I think people think that Christianity is just like an extension of it. They are mm. very distinctive. Um, there are there so, are there are huge differences, and I actually didn't realize. I I thought that um, Judaism was uh, very similar to Christianity, and then I actually made friends, uh, really good friends, with a Jewish guy at uni, um, and we and we were talking, and suddenly all these disparities were coming out, and it's an interesting ones where like Christians fundamentally should believe in turning the other cheek um, when it comes to revenge, for example. Um, so you know they say if a man strikes you on your right cheek go ahead and offer him your left because you know you're meant to just forgive and they say you should forgive seven times seven times every day like um it's all about forgiveness and it's all about um yeah it's all about uh being like no i i accept you and we're all sinners you know and whereas in um judaism they're fully on board with revenge (laughs) (laughs) it's very interesting because Christianity is a lot about what you actually believe and Judaism mm. belief is really important but it's a lot about your actions it's about how you live Judaism exactly I mean, and yeah. also Judaism is also an ethno religion so people yeah absolutely uh people can be ethnically religious uh sorry ethnically Jewish, ethnically Jewish. but they they're not, often not religiously Jewish so like the, some Jewish people I know they eat you know bacon and you know like hinduism is a little bit similar not so much on the ethnic ethno religion side of things although some people argue it is Mm -hmm. but obviously as a white hindu i don't 100 percent agree with that Mm -hmm. um but it's similar that some forms of it are more like judaism and where it's what you do not what you believe sort of thing um yeah i think it's interesting as well so from where i came from like my church my mom actually became the first uh, female pastor at my church um and wow. obviously at the time I was like this is this is amazing this yeah, is so that's cool sick. I and I because I was quite young I think I was about nine when my mom started um as the first female pastor um but she was she just went from children and families worker to children and families pastor but it like divided mm. the church and obviously I was so unaware of it as a kid because like you know like it's my mom like, <laughs> like oh, she'd be good at that like my mom could do anything but and so people would argue with me about it. And I'd be like, why are you saying things about my mom? That's my mom. And like, everyone's like, oh, okay, she doesn't get it. But yeah, no, I didn't realize my mom's since told me, you know, like people, people like left the church because of it. Wow. Who, so who, so... Do you remember any of your like interactions? Like what, who came up to you and said something? Yeah, what was what the they, shit? What I need they to hear saying? it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let, me spill, let me spill decades old tea. No, um, <laughs> yeah, so my... <laughs> My, fermented tea it's I was kombucha. the only till about I was about the age of 14 in my year so um they went by school years in terms of like Got it. Uh, Sunday school years as well right in my year I was the only girl so it's just me and loads of boys and everyone's like oh Ew. I bet you love that but I didn't like boys at the time you know I was just like <laughs> these boys are a nuisance and still they're going away yeah. Still are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's just annoying now because like you know they're attractive but when when I was younger I was like <laughs> I I don't get I don't get the point of these I don't know why they're here but so it meant that I spent a lot of time with these boys and all these boys were told over and over again and justified it by especially by their parents and by particularly male like I can think of a few people but I won't say their names but 
I know there was a boy in my year who actually I also went to school with him and I knew him at school but we just pretended we didn't know each other even though we were like old friends like our families like used to put us in a bath together when we were babies like we were that close and we just were like no we don't know each other in real life like um <laughs> but at church he he his dad raised him very misogynistic and he would always even when I was like 16 17 he was the one who was like um I remember everyone's talking about like having babies and I was like mm, I don't think I want to have babies and then like you could hear a pin drop and he went but you're a girl like he was just like so and it was always constantly like get back in the kitchen jokes like that sort of thing so he he was he was one of the loudest ones I remember him being but I just think people were people could justify misogyny um a lot easier because you know they can point to all the things in the bible that are incredibly misogynistic Mm. um and of course like at the time the only person they could look to in terms of you know female leadership was my mom so she kind of became like the lampoon for it maybe that conversation about women in leadership I think I think she definitely started it um I don't think she I don't think she realizes how like cool I thought that was like she's Mm. like oh you're such a feminist like oh you came back with all these ideas and I was like it's your fault like <laughs> what you broke the glass ceiling <laughs> like this is so interesting it reminds me of this is going to be really obscure and quite academic for a minute so mm. of everyone listening that's not interested in like <laughs> Islam in Egypt I'm sorry but it reminds me of a study that I looked into for my dissertation which was about religious feminism by a woman called Sabah Mahmoud who looked at a group of women that studied the Quran in Egypt, like Quran study, and mm-hmm. they were very much within the framework of a conservative form of their religion. You know, very conservative form of Islam where, you know, women didn't really have an awful lot of social mobility, but they found a lot of empowerment and autonomy in actually studying the text. And it's just interesting to me how within even very conservative religions, there are small places and small ways women can kind of create their own form of like mm. either empowerment or liberation or whatever you want to call it. But it just reminded me of that. So I just thought I'd mention it. Yeah, no, that's, that's that interesting. Is, it is fascinating, that sort of thing. And I, I do think that when, when you look at a lot of religious texts, people do something called cherry picking. Um, oh, especially, 100%. Especially Christians where, you know, they take one single verse out of context and then um, use it to sort of you know bring down an argument but I actually did that myself I didn't realize so I remember we once had a oh it made me so mad we once had a talk by our male main pastor um, and he was talking about a it was called Psalm it's Psalm 39 and it's about how to be a good wife and he was like I feel justified I can talk about this because I have a good wife and I was there like no way (laughs) what mad I'm so mad about this but then actually having been reading that like well you know the sun was going on because you have your bible in front of you I realized that my favorite verse from the entire bible was part of that psalm but had been taken out um and it it, is called she's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs about fear of the future and I actually read through psalm 39 and I was reading it so differently and I was like this woman she's not like just a wife she's an entrepreneur she runs her own business she's doing all this stuff plus being a wife plus keeping the home she's doing way more than her husband and I was reading it like that and he was just reading it like this is what a wife does you know that's the thing though isn't it it the the text is there and there are so many stories of women in the bible who are like incredibly powerful like oh it's littered with Queen Esther 
Queen Esther risked her life to save, you know, her people. Like there's so, like, you just have to look up. I, there's a really good book actually I got given because I think everyone knew I was a feminist by the time I got baptized because um, the woman who, um, so some someone presents you to the church before you get baptized and it's someone who has been like a mentor or someone who you've spoken to on your journey with God. And um, there's this woman and she was like, Daisy literally won't stop reading books with strong female protagonists in. Um, <laughs> how dare and, you <laughs> and they were uh, talking about that and they were like actually there's loads of you know strong female protagonists in the bible um and this old couple who are so cute I love them so much they gave me a book after my baptism they heard my testimony and they it was called little women of the bible and um it was all about all this these like powerful women in the bible and so I'm reading this all this literature and I'm like I just, why are we not looking at the bible from this perspective I'm like this is refreshing this is exciting you know mm. Um, and it just took too long. I think if, for me personally, I can see now how massively the church has gone. Because I go back sometimes, you know, if my parents um, ask me, um, you know, and I'll, I'll pop back. And actually, like, it, I'm so mad because it's like they changed just as I left. Like, I was like, mm. oh, do you know what? I can't deal with this. I went to uni. Like, I was like, I'm not going to try and find a Baptist church or anything. I was like, and then I came back and I was like, why did you do all the things I wanted you to do? after I've gone like yeah that's I so have much. a bit of a so, oh go ahead Ellie no so are you are you still a Christian now like do you still identify that was my I question would, oh, I would right, say yeah. it's funny though because like obviously I was talking about ethno religion and it was like so much of my childhood I was brought up Christian that I don't if I said I wasn't Christian anymore I I don't really know what I would be like mm, and yeah. I've met okay. fantastic groups of uh, it's really funny like I've come to London I came here for uni went to a very liberal university and I've made friends with these amazing all queer Christians who are all just oh, so yeah. on fire and passionate for Jesus but also like completely and utterly gay and they all are I really really unashamed about it they're all like I'm a lesbian and I'm a Christian I love Jesus and you know and I'm gay and it's absolutely fascinating because it's like every person I meet is a gay Christian at this point I, d- I just don't know how it happens mm, like mm. um but I think it's I think for me it's a sign that it's going in the right direction and you know a lot of people have religious trauma um and I think a lot of people shut down conversations about religion because they're like oh I have religious trauma I'm not going to talk about it and I'm like mm. look I have religious trauma and I talk about it all the time because you know it's Part a complicated is, conversation, but it needs to happen. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think I have issues with religion. I don't have issues with spirituality. Like I think I, I think I have a faith, but my issues lie with organized religion. Right. I compl- I okay. completely That's see that. That's a good way of putting I, it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um what you said about you kind of you brought up a Christian, like you've got that kind of you're always gonna have that sort of background. It's interesting because at least in the Northwest, where we've got a lot of people of Irish heritage, myself mm. included, um, here, I'm from a very Catholic area, went to Catholic school. My immediate family are all atheists. I'm like the one Hindu in the middle. Um, but my extended family are all very Catholic. And even though, I mean, I was baptized Catholic, I did confession, did all that, all the full shebang. Mm. Um, didn't choose to get confirmed because at that point I was like, now nah, this ain't for me, lads, I'm out. Um, but you do kind of have that I don't want to say stain but you have that mark of like sort of your culture that you grew up in even though it's not at least for me it wasn't really I didn't grow up in the culture so much it's a very specific type of like 
especially white middle class religion <laughs> and it's a very specific like flavor of growing up which and there's a lot of uh, like I said there's a lot to Christianity which is actually really good like you know fundamentally it's just asking you to be a good person and um kind of when when I was like coming to terms with it because there's been points in my life where I've been through something and I'm like how could I who's been a really like when I was 16 years old my aunt died because she got hit by a van and I was like mm. this is terrible and up to that point I was like I've been such a good Christian how's this happening to me like and I think people don't think especially when grief when grief's mixed with religion you're suddenly like your entire worldview is tipped on its head because you're like oh I'm I'm you know why why am I being punished I didn't do anything wrong you know yeah and people point to the worst things and they say the worst things I think Christians are some of the worst people at da- handling bereavement because they just don't know what to say like they just this say is... stuff like my own nan said to me oh um it wasn't like her her side of the family it was like my other side of the family my own nan said to me oh it all works for God's glory and I was like mm. how how can uh. it all work like if if it works for God's glory then like what, what he's a cruel god like how could he do that this is where i i get a bit lost in it like mm. so like for some perspective i am a pretty staunch atheist i'd say like i am not spiritual what? or religious whatsoever like i don't even believe in the universe like i i i don't i don't believe in anything at all i just feel like mm. you know luck has happened like things have just happened and we've just we're here and we just have to accept that but I've also never been one to judge anybody else's religion um but I also think that I come from a place of pity which I I'm not super proud of because I feel that's a bit patronizing but I think it's because of stuff like this where I see what it does to people even when they Mm. are like doing everything like to defend it and I'm like both witnessing their downfall whilst they're still defending what's creating the downfall. Like I'm yeah. I'm seeing them struggle and I feel like when you have all of this meaning that you have to make sense of, um, when something happens that's not part of it, it, it can create a bigger impact in your life. And like, like what you're saying, like you feel more um confused or depressed or like it can it can really like make people spiral whereas with me like I know that there is no rhyme or reason for any for anything so when something like whack happens I'm like well that's just life whereas I feel like people who have that religious like background they're questioning they're like why would this happen to me I've been so good why would God do this why would yeah. and I'm like that would drive me fucking insane like I, how do you <laughs> that, how do you that just hit me that? so hard in the gut oh my god like you really just <laughs> popped off there Billy I think I think oh sorry you go I was gonna say that was part of the reason why when I got religiously curious when I was 16 I think that's part of what made Hinduism make a lot more sense to me because it lacks that kind of, obviously we have gods. I mean, you guys, obviously you listening can't see, but Ellie and Daisy can see. I've literally got wall hangings of the Hindu gods behind Mm -hmm. me. I've got a Hindu tattoo. I'm like Hindu as fuck, right? (laughs) But 
we don't have that same kind of Abrahamic pressure on like everything's God's plan. There's a little mm, bit, there's a yeah. more allowance for chaos in Hinduism, which I think mm. I needed. Yeah. Um, and more of an allowance for well, we don't have like a we don't have a central leader, we don't have a central authoritative text or like one god that is the god. Mm. So it's kind of I'm not gonna say choose your own adventure because that kind of diminishes it, but there's a million ways to be a Hindu and they can all be completely different to one another and they're all valid. And I think when I started to get religiously curious, because I originally sort of flirted with Buddhism for a little bit, and the nihilism of Buddhism and kind of the the uber pressure to be like a very, very like rigidly good person kind of threw me off. Mm. Um so you kind of just summarize exactly how I felt before I just had my aha moment and was like, oh yeah. shit. Oh, well, I think Hindu like now. a lot of people probably do feel like that because it doesn't make sense. Like, and I don't, I'm trying to like navigate this conversation without like being uh, offensive at all because I do actually I think, genuinely appreciate a yeah. lot of heart of religion, like the architecture, the art, the, yeah. especially like within Hinduism, Adam, especially like learning from you. I'm like, wow, there's so many like cool parts that create this oh, thank amazing you. community. <laughs> but then I also look at it from, not Hinduism, but just religion in general. I There's some shit it. there though as well. Yeah, I mean, in, in all religions, like I I look at it and I'm like, it, it's so wild. To, like, I don't think I could ever describe how wild it is for me because I've not had any religious influence whatsoever. Like my aunt, my only religious influence is my auntie, who is not really my auntie. She's my, my half brother's nan, who's like very close mm. to me and like in my life. She's a, a staunch, like, evangelical christian she's from trinidad so she is the like praise jesus like <laughs> type of, like, she's she's hilarious yeah. and amazing but um she tried to take me to church once uh when i was a kid and i cr- cr- bawled my eyes out i was fucking terrified i was like these people are wild like i cannot do it, this <laughs> like... i think the thing is though when you look at uh, i mean for, at least from a catholic perspective when you look at a catholic mass from the outside it it is quite disarming and like alarming in a lot of ways. Yeah, because... especially because the church that she took me to, that people were having like um, what what are they called? Oh, um... was it a charismatic church? They were having like t- speaking in tongues and yeah, not. That I don't think there stuff. was tongues, but there was definitely but, like, like I can was feel it like it they convulsing like and yeah, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. a lot of energy. And for me, I was just like, I I don't know what's going it, on, man. Like, it does look, so scary. It does right look now. crazy. That's the thing, and it does. <laughs> and actually. Recently, my uncles got super into um, sort of, um, I don't really know how to describe it, but he goes into like sweat lodges and he does like ice baths and he has like a warrior king who he like, and we were, he was talking about it at Christmas and we were all making fun of it. And then suddenly I think all at once, me and my family all looked at each other and he was like, not once did he ever make fun of us for being a Christian. Mm. And we're like sitting here, you know, and I felt really suddenly like, oh, this is how we seem to everyone else. And this is how I looked as a kid. That's really powerful. Like, justifying, like, something objectively insane. Like, because that you can't see God. You can't, you can't be like, look, here he is. You know, but I think the whole point, what they're trying to say in Christianity to justify it is they're like, it wouldn't be a belief if you could see him. Like, if he came that's, down from heaven, yeah, well, yeah, you though. know, yeah, if yeah, he was yeah. like, hey, guys, um, belief I'm here yeah Everyone belief be of like, any higher power is like it's yeah. fundamentally logical it's like, belief. I you have to trust it yeah like so my I faith think... in 
like the gods is illogical i know that but mm. believe in reincarnation it's illogical because there's no tangible evidence of it but that's what makes it faith like yeah, so i do I've agree had, with them I, on i've that. had hindu friends and i've been like it i'm very like open to hearing about other religions because people have been open so open to hearing about mine like i rarely come across people someone that's who's cool. very dismissive and doesn't want to talk mm. about it but for me as well like a lot of my friends when we get together um what we talk about a lot is like there's a lot of like church in jokes that sort of come out and stuff and I mm. always just think like if someone's listening into this conversation they'd be like what is going on like I don't understand what the heck any of these people are saying like yeah it's, so it's definitely a whole different world to me like I it, I, I've tried my best crazy yeah yeah like <laughs> like I, I'm fully aware like like I've the... spent so much of my life and especially as well Christian Christians I think specifically white middle class Christians because obviously you know where where we're from um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have this like persecution complex where they're like you know one day you're going to get oppressed because or not even one day we're oppressed because we're Christians it's like you know glee where it's like because we're you know we're in the glee <laughs> minority minority <laughs> yeah but it's like no they're like because we're white Christians we're in a minority you know like right, right, um, right. and you're going to be oppressed and I'm like no you're not you have a lovely house and you live you know and you've got like like you're fine and um Adam's hiding I think, right now <laughs> I think that like actually when when you like look at it and you look at the fundamentals of um you you look at the fundamentals of Christianity and I'm like how is this not more intersectional how are we not doing more for women and people of color and yeah it it I think it's it's really hard to explain because I could literally talk about this for days and days and never fully come to a conclusion because it's just so like big as a topic like there's just yeah I mean it's it's huge so actually that's a good point and we should probably narrow it down a little bit because this is a feminist podcast after all um on intersectionality though yeah sorry Ellie no I was gonna say before we move on it is fascinating that you brought about intersectionality because the early church in Christianity was massively intersectional because of just where it was geographically. You know, it yeah, started exactly. in Jerusalem in the Eastern Mediterranean. It was under control of the Roman Empire. So very rapidly it spread to Turkey and Greece, Egypt, Libya, um, got to India very quickly. Um, it spread in small communities of people of not unified language, culture, heritage, previous religion, racial makeup. Inherently, it began as a very intersectional and very diverse faith so it's very interesting how in its modern sort of incantations that isn't present because a lot of churches um are very monolithic in sort of the ethnic makeup the cultural makeup mm-hmm. you know i mean there's very distinctive especially in the states like very distinctive currents of like both black and white christianity and increasingly now sort of like hispanic christianity so it is fascinating mm-hmm. that it's become so sort of segmented in that way i yeah. i think a lot of it just comes from sort of cultural um just like a cultural melting pot like if you grow yeah. up in an area of lots of white people you're gonna go to a very white church like and that's you're gonna have to look hard for one like i I I've, I find it very different even going to a church in London than a church in the oh I um I was gonna bet. Say, yeah like in Surrey or like because that must be fucking main like crazy they're they're very like 
it's not like a cultural shock or anything, but it is different. And um, and I can see it. And there's bits of it that I'm like, I wish that, you know, we could be like this or like, I wish that we had these views. But the thing is, as well, churches is churches are very much singular, like solar systems in a wider solar system in a big like, you know, you're a certain type of church in a. So like, say you're a Baptist church and you're in a Protestant you know, and that's a denomination in a Protestant church, which is like the Church of England. So there's like Church of England, there's Protestant church, and there's Christianity overall. So everything is like segmented, and all these sort of rules and um, ideas and things all sort of get battered about various churches. So you could go to, I could go to a Baptist church, and it can be completely different. It's just, it it really very much depends on the person. Like, so it's really hard for me to say all Baptist churches are like this, or all you know certain churches are like this because it depends on the congregation first but it also um depends on the pastor and i think that's where a lot when i first brought up this idea to you you know for the um for the article mm. i think that when churches become cults of personality rather than uh based on faith and furthering um sort of furthering your own Ooh. faith um yeah. that's when the that's when the issues begin they Speaks. become because it comes based on a person rather than God. Yeah. This Speaking reminds me. That, oh, oh sorry. go ahead, Ellie. Sorry. I was just gonna speak for my Auntie Joan again. Big up Auntie Joan. She Big um she uh grew up in uh well Trinidad, but she came here when she was quite young. Um, and she has been going to church in, in London like her whole life. But obviously as she got older and unfortunately she went blind in one eye and now she's going blind in the other eye, we had to bring her close to us. So um, now she lives literally across the road from me and um, she has to go to church here. And um, she's just experiencing the worst racism ever. The the oh. the, the problem is... Um, she was quite, I guess, whitewashed. I think when she came here in um, okay, a while ago, I should, should never want anybody to say her age, so I won't, but um, <laughs> out of respect. But um, when she did come here, obviously uh, racism was, was pretty bad, um, which was a big shock to her. Um, and I think she went through something internally where she just, a, a switch flicked and she just was in denial mode. And now she's like, I was, te- the other day, I was telling her about racism. Like, it was like, she doesn't mm. understand why she's being treated differently. Like, why would, like, and it was, it was I, th- I, I, this, my personal opinion is that it's a trauma response. And yeah. that's what, that's what's happening. And she, she, because of that, she didn't tell us until recently. And she, she described the scenarios that were happening in church. And obviously, as Daisy mentioned, this is a very white area, um, and um it was fucking disgusting I was like I can't believe it I was like why didn't you tell us this before like they don't involve Mm. her in any in anything they look at her with they don't talk to her they don't like they exclude her from like church activities it's absolutely wild and so like from my perspective when I see that I just think you know for for intersectionality the church is doing I know you're saying it's like different in different areas but like when because you can cherry pick the Bible and and mm. Christianity and religion in general because you can take whatever the fuck you want out of it. Shit like that happens. And mm. people say that religion is great for establishing your values and your identity, but mm. you don't need 
religion to do that because I no absolutely not you know I I'm I know not to kill people <laughs> like, I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's it's pretty like innate within us to know like what's what you know is fundamentally wrong so I get quite stressed out about it like I'm like I think recently I've been on one more because I I know mm. about what's going on with my auntie Jane because I'm like what's what's going on like I don't and so I so much for thy neighbor yeah this is what I mean it, like, it really is a cherry picking situation so I'm thinking what growing up the way you did do you feel mm. like it had any negative impacts on like in the early days anyway on like your feminism and like the way yes you absolutely yourself. yeah I want to hear about um, that I mean I I I have a really well I say I, I would call her I was about to be like I have a very close friend but it's my best friend she uh <laughs> has been raised by two Baptist pastors and she's gay so um oh, wow she's very very fascinating life um but she um was saying that um just because of what you get told she was like the most homophobic person in her class in RE even though you know she's like gay now like mm-hmm. and a lot of people I know who are very liberal Christians or you know out of the church but still in the you know still in the faith they say um I can't believe I said that like I can't believe I believed that when I was younger because you don't know anything else you don't know any other way um Mm. I would say that I wouldn't say my church was particularly like I mean obviously it's massively broad strokes to say I don't think my church was racist because I don't I don't I don't remember there being personally I I never saw racism happen but that doesn't mean it didn't happen obviously but I was yeah this is just the church like in send like this is you know it wasn't a blanket statement on Christianity no no just I but but you know I can't say there was definitely absolutely no racism in the church but I I'm not aware of any and I feel like my mom would have said something you know being Mm. that high up in the church but my parents raised me to be very sort of just accepting of everyone and they've always been like that which I think you know says a lot about who I am today you know I think I'd take it one step further now because my you know a lot of people in the church don't really understand like trans people or like non-binary people that's like Mm. a whole other thing but I think (sighs) there was definitely stuff I did a lot of slut shaming when I was a kid um you know I'd be like I can't believe she's wearing that I can't believe she kissed him no I I relate to that Daisy we we had a lot of obsession with like (laughs) yeah I mean we had a lot of obsession with like if a girl had had sex she was like a social pariah or like but we were also like as equally fascinated with her as like but like it never really bothered us about the boys because it was about the girls isn't that such a microcosm yeah. of just like culture in general culture, yeah I was, yeah, I was it, just thinking yeah. I mean I think it I think it reflects yeah um British culture at the time but also I think it was particularly in because we were just so at, like I was so unaware of it like mm. um but there was but I think part of that as well was just growing up in the era that we did like you know mm. there wasn't yeah, as easy sure. access to the internet you know we I I'd say you know I I read a lot but I didn't read anything that wasn't like more than a than a you know my parents would only let me watch the movies that were the certificates of the age I was you know they'd only I'd read books that were for young adults but I wouldn't read anything for adults and they weren't strict about it but they I think actually now I was like I was grateful to have that time because I felt like I really was a kid but then Mm. again Mm. I felt like there was a lot of stuff where the walls pulled over my eyes and I wasn't allowed to sort of be 
I, I, I would ask too many questions and not get any answers. And then I keep asking the questions and then they'd be like, she's really annoying. Like, um, mm. and I was just very curious kid as a lot of us were, but I think when you're, especially when you're a girl at church and you're the pastor's kid. So everyone's looking at you to be your, you know, people want anything to bring down the only female pastor. They want to point to the children and go, look, she's a bad mom. So she can't raise our kids, you know? So I think a lot of people would like say stuff to me that I like, and I didn't even realize, like, I remember what I was reviewing. I used to do book reviews when I was a kid um, for a book blog, which was very 2010s. And um, <laughs> I got sent a book and I remember on the title, it said, OMG, is this actually my life? Like that was the name of the book. And I was like, this is a really good book. And I was reading it and it wasn't even like, it was like the press cover. So it wasn't, it was like a tiny picture of the cover. And my mum, I've been reading it because I was really into it. And I've been reading it and I was reading it in the church pew before church started because I had to get there really early because my mum had to set up. Um, and my mum like grabbed the book and went and put it in the car. And she was like, because it says OMG on it. Like, oh, and so I, I was like not in. following. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah me neither <laughs> like, actually. Um, but that, that kind of thing. And like, yeah. I was known, like people would like take bets at school to try and get me to swear. I'd never swear. You know, I wouldn't like... I was, I I didn't I got a boyfriend, but I broke up with my first boyfriend when I was fourteen after two weeks because he wasn't a Christian, so it wasn't wow. going to work out. Like wow. it, so I think I was very like enclosed in my own little world. But I think a lot of that was self-imposed. Like I'm not blaming my parents at all for it because they did try <laughs> to like yeah, yeah, yeah. get me out of my shell. But I was very even when they were like taking me to parties and stuff, I'd phone them and be like, people are drinking alcohol here, I need to come home. Like but a lot that's of it was part like, of what a culture like that does to you. Yeah. It? it makes you your biggest critic and your biggest self-regulator. And I can yeah. really relate to that for like shall we dive into some Catholic trauma? Oh, of course. Oh, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll make this as quick as I can. But um, when I came out, I was 12. Um, I came out to my family first. They were fine with it. Um, really loving family. I've always been very lucky, like, you know, through exploring my gender identity, religious stuff, all that. My family's been like, we love you, bitch. It's all good. Um, but at school, they were not featuring having the tainted homosexual in the midst and I was sent to our chaplain to pray through my issues. Mm-hmm. They never said what issues they were, but it's interesting that I came out and then two weeks later, suddenly I'm being pulled out of a class to go and pray with a chaplain. Yeah. And honestly, it made me really hate myself for a minute because it made oh. me feel like I was, and I really internalized a lot of this for a while. And I think it took me a while to really realize how much it did number on me because even though I wasn't religious at that time, I, I went to Catholic high school already not being a Catholic, mm. just literally just having the baptism to get in basically. Mm. um, You know, so I already didn't believe in this stuff, but I was like, all these people around me who are supposed to be, you know, adults who are supposed to be wise and, you know, in positions of respect and authority, and whatever, were all kind of pointing to me like I was a problem to be solved. And it made me really for a while be like, I was scared to, I literally, I got changed in these like toilets in PE because I was so scared that I was going to have a magnifying glass on me as like the gay kid in the room because I was the only one in school as well. No one else came mm-hmm. out. Um, I was so scared that like someone would say something, something would happen and then that nothing, the teachers knew nothing about it because when I was bullied, because I was bullied pretty badly at school 
by some people like homophobic bullying the teachers just didn't care and it's because basically it was like I think the general consensus was well you brought it on yourself for coming out yeah yeah that's mad you know talking of um religious trauma <laughs> um hmm. uh, this is I think the all of this stuff that you're both talking about, the stuff that you've both been through, like it's pretty serious stuff. Like this is like the root cause of some pretty difficult trauma. And if it was me, I would have a lot of resentment. I'd have a lot of fucking resentment and I would not know what to do with that resentment. So I think what I'm trying to ask is how now, now that you've sort of come out of of that and you're, you know, you're grown and you can like make your own opinions and, Mm. you know, do what you want with your faith and with your identity how do you reconcile the both how do you reconcile your faith with your feminist identity like how have they like met in the middle if that makes sense um or have you not yet (laughs) well (laughs) it's always a journey Ellie it's a journey um (laughs) no I think for me I did go through a very bitter phase like and I did and okay. I was very I remember I remember being I, I, it was just after my aunt died um and my mum was trying to get me to go to church and it was the first time I'd ever flat out refused to go like oh wow because I used to just go like even if I didn't really care about what was going on like all my mates went so I was like I can go and hang out with them on a Sunday you know um mm. but I was just like, I'm not going. And they were like, no, you have to go. And then my, and I went, why? And my mum went, because of Jesus. And I went like a big scoff and I rolled my eyes. And eventually they got me into the car. I must've gone, but there was a song, there was a hymn and it said um, something like, my name is called out among the scoffers. And my mum like looked at me like, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, oh, a scoffer, you know, like, um, and I think I, I think I found it hard because I uh, everyone was telling me like you should know this by now and I felt like I was asking basic questions again like why because my aunt wasn't a Christian I was like she's not going to heaven and like mm-hmm. as much as I asked someone no one would say a straight yes or a no mm-hmm. and like because mm-hmm. no one wanted to say because you know by Christian standards she wouldn't have gone to heaven because she wasn't a Christian but I was like she was a good woman so like she must have gone to heaven, right? Right? And no one could say, like, mm. no, because they would devastate me, but no one could say yes because they didn't believe it. So yeah, it was like a hard one because it was like that. And I think that just made me very bitter and twisted and a yeah. lot of... That's fair I, enough. I didn't think it affected me. And then when I went to uni and something very traumatizing happened to me, and then I was like, oh... And then it suddenly brought up all of this like latent, like, oh my word, I'm a terrible Christian. I'm sinful. I'm broken. I'm impure. And it was really weird because I'd not thought like that for years. And then it all like kind of came out again. It was very strange. Um, So I think the only reason I, genuinely the only reason I still, you know, I don't hate it. And, you know, I don't want it to like, I don't want to come in here and slag the, slag everyone off, you know, for doing that to me was because like those people were like the the people who raised me like it's yeah. like you know my mom and dad are still christians you know my nan and granddad are my nanny is you know like um my sister still goes to church you know a lot of my friends are christians and they've been through like some tough stuff too 
mm-hmm. and I I'm I wish I could be like you know like go all like lemonade and be like you know <laughs> pull a like reputation yeah. on them but I really can't because like as much as all this horrible stuff happens it was a community where you know someone has a baby and within like an hour there's a lasagna like every day at their door or like you know mm. someone dies and everyone really rallies around you and you know brings you like takeaway or like you know someone's run out of money and then someone's there to just like anonymously give them loads of money like people were very generous with their time and their and their money actually as well we don't and, have like, a lot of that anymore that sense of we don't no. and a lot of people are lonely so that is I would say that is like a big like yeah. pro to to organized religion and I, I couldn't cut myself off from that like it's a community and everyone's messed up in that community but like (laughs) part of me is like everyone is and like everyone is human yeah but one of the things I was always told was like you need to be you can be in the world but you can't be of the world so you you kind of have to rise above everything like you know if people are drinking then you abstain or if people are having sex then you don't you know like um and I think a lot of people's like guilt, Christian guilt comes from like the first time they go to a party and they get drunk or, you know, the first time they mm. have sex outside of marriage or, you know, even the first time they like, you know, if they watch porn or something, you know, like it could be anything like Christian guilt. But, and I think I thought the world was like really cruel and scary and, but like also kind of exciting and, but, but it's meant to be because it's meant to tempt you. um, And actually like, horrible stuff still happens in the world like but at least people don't pretend that you know it's all going to be okay in the end like some people can be nihilistic and about Mm. it and people just go look it's terrible and I've got nothing to say about it like they don't turn it into a preachy moment they don't turn it into like a Mm. oh actually you know like it's fine because ultimately got like people just go what's happening to you is really bad and it sucks and I'm here for you Mm. and that's sometimes all you need you don't need a well, the well Bible yeah. Says this. yeah yeah and I think I think people could use a bit of I think the world could use a bit of you know community and mm. you know genuine Christian forgiveness and love um mm. if people were actually doing it properly but I also think that Christians could learn a lot from you know just the real world because there are still good people they're not you know you like, went through like a Barbie movie arc then like, I really did. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> tried to put me in the box. No, I did. You I... left Barbie Land, then you realize that you can still enjoy and appreciate aspects of your upbringing, but at the same time, you also know that you've sort of grown in a different way to it. Well, now I've who's seen the bringing up Barbie now? Oh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> but I, I can't go back to it now. Like I couldn't fully go back to it. I couldn't go back to how it was before, but. Yeah. I can appreciate it for what it was and it was a good community but um yeah no I did very much see the real world and choose the real world which you know some people might say I'm not a Christian some people might say that's not theologically sound people will say what they're going to say what do you but say I Daisy don't really care what do you say what after meeting say? after meeting you know like all your like queer Christian friends and stuff and mm. you're saying people say Daisy's not a Christian or what do you say like now that you know that religion doesn't have to be so like constricted to what you were raised with and you've met you know other people in different churches what what would you say about yourself now I mean if 
if 13 year old me saw me now she'd probably have a heart attack and be like <laughs> what is what <laughs> you're drinking a cider like she would be freaked out but I also think that I I fundamentally believe that so in the New Testament they say um there are many uh, this paraphrase but say there's many uh, commandments I've given to you but the greatest of all is love God and love others as you love yourself so I think that's super important I think everyone should love themselves, and I think everyone should love others and treat people with respect but I think we lost that along the way mm-hmm. so I'm like actually mm. if anyone's living the most fundamentally Christian life it really is me if you think about it because I'm not judging people for who they are mm. like I'm just accepting people for how they are and how they come and I also don't put myself I'm not being like mm, I'm better than everyone but like you know I don't put myself on a pedestal I don't put myself on a high horse I go look here are all my flaws um you know we're all flawed we're all human beings mm. um and I think that that's something that we just really need to remember is that everyone everyone is fundamentally born of sin everyone is a sinner like you know just even if you say you know someone looks nice when they don't like that's a lie that's a sin you know like <laughs> sin of life baby <laughs> even if even if it, you know, it came from a good place like you know, yeah if, if it's based off that then everyone is going to hell I just I don't because I had a friend who came to me we both grew up in the same church um and we kind of we didn't really talk for a while and then we like met up what were we doing for meet up we just randomly messaged each other and we're like let's go on a holiday so we just went to this like all inclusive for three days in Spain. We're like, we know each other now. And like she was just like, Do you not worry though that like, you know, you believe this and you do you not worry you're gonna go to hell? She's like, I think I'm gonna go to hell all the time. And I was like, I honestly don't think people who worry about going to hell are gonna go to hell. Like, I think if people worry about being a good person, I think they're a good person because they're actually thinking, you know, about how they can Nicely make it better. It's super interesting though that you've said that you're living the most Christian life because recently I've seen a lot of evangelicals in the states saying that Jesus is too liberal for them and like when um, pastors have done like Sermon on the Mount like no really fundamental Christian teachings like the 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 bare bones basics of Jesus and they're like not too liberal don't like it too liberal and I think that's so interesting because they kind of just speak to what you just said really that Mm. and I think it's true of a lot of religions you know um I've got a lot of friends that uh from Muslim backgrounds that um and I know a lot about Islam I really love the religion respect it um I know a lot of very conservatively raised Muslims who've since sort of moved away from that who are living more in accordance with sort of what would be called deen like the way of like religion Mm. in Islam than like the parents are because they're living with a lot more love, a lot more openness, and a lot more, um, honestly, a lot more devotion as well, which I think is... I think, honestly, there's something so freeing, genuinely, about being like... There's something about me being like, do you know what, like, this is so messy, and the world is as messy as they said it was, and everyone here is a hot mess, like, you know... (laughs) Me especially. And you can, like, walk into a room, and you'll be like, oh, wow, everyone is going through their stuff... But at least you can be like, we're all hot messes together, like as one. And I Preach. think everyone always says like, oh, you know, church is... Put that on a well. t-shirt. Church <laughs> saying we're hot messes together as one. Um, follow my Bible 
my Bible series on YouTube. No, um, but like I think that <laughs> a lot of the time people say, oh, they're, they're, they love to say this at church. They always go, church isn't, what do they say? They say church isn't a place for completely perfect people. Church is a hospital for the broken. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you say that, but you don't, you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. And I think a lot of people have the issue, me especially, this is my biggest one, where people say something and then do the opposite, which is like when we've had loads of like super pastors from like Hillsong, whatever, being like, don't have sex before marriage and then going having an affair. Or like they say, you know, don't, you know, or they'll they just like do some like tax fraud or something. anything that could go wrong in a church has gone wrong in a lot of the super churches because they are doing exactly what they preach against. And I'm like, if you just went, look, I messed up and I do it too, then everyone could go, okay. So no one's stopping how they're like, you know, no one's monitoring themselves to like try and, it's not like a weird panopticon where everyone's like, God is watching me at all times. So I need to be a good person. Like mm. once you just like sort of embrace the sort of like rat girl inside of you then suddenly you're <laughs> like girl oh. summer baby yeah <laughs> suddenly you're like oh actually this is so much more freeing to realize that I'm broken and I do stuff wrong but Christians believe fundamentally God still loves me even though I messed up mm. which I think Ooh. a lot of people think God won't love me until I'm fixed and it's like no one will ever be fixed no one is ever perfect um but we can try our best you know and yeah. I think that's what I want people to that's what I'd want people to think if that if I was starting a religion or a cult um I would be like circle back to the try beginning your, try your best and have fun you know like that's what I I'd love want. that though yeah no I I I, I, think... <laughs> I think that's the perfect note to end this one if you want to take us home Emily yeah yeah no I was just gonna say like I, I know it must be really challenging Daisy I can't imagine like growing out of something that was such a big part of your life and trying to like find a new place for it but it sounds like you're you're doing a pretty good job of it even though like you know you could be the confused. growth is there the healing is and there. I think it I mean you know clearly there is progress and there's a a, a lot of fucking work to be done with all religions mm. like you know, I don't have the answer. I don't know, you know, whether it just existing is good or bad, but I, it, it's good to see that, you know, things are improving. And I think that, um, you know, more people like you popping up where you're sort of like redefining what it is to be a religious person whilst, you know, claiming your femininity and claiming your feminist identity. You know, you're actively fighting for the rights of women through your writing. You're, you know, you're unashamed unashamed to be who you are. I feel like in this point, that really comes across anyway. Um, and you should be really proud of yourself, actually, Daisy, for for like being able to oh. do that because I don't think I would be. <laughs> but um, um, I mean, it took a lot of like actual therapy to get here like, yeah I mean and I sure, think, but... sure, like a lot of big up therapy health work big yeah. up therapy like, but um and and actually like just talking to my friends and part of me is sometimes like sometimes I feel like a bitter little like lemon girl and then I see my friends who are like my parents don't accept me because I'm gay but I still love Jesus and I'm like how how do you do that mm. like that's crazy man mm. whereas uh, I'm there like my mom and dad made me go to a church that didn't like women like <laughs> boo me and they're like 
My parents but you know fundamentally what? hate everything I stand for. And I'm like, Everyone's oh. shit is still shit. <laughs> Every- literally. It's true. Literally that. True. <laughs> and on that note, that's a great note to end it on. But I would like to say, if anybody enjoyed this, this is quite a different to our usual, con- usual content. It was a bit deeper, but there's so much there to talk about with... Mm. Christianity with religion with Billy and Scratch little, surface today yeah let us know if you want a little part two or maybe if you if we should dive into like a different religion or yeah we could talk about Hinduism I'm good to yeah that. that would be that would be so sick but let That'd us be so know fun. um and yeah thank yeah. you so much for listening and thank you for coming Daisy yeah thank Thanks you so much me. and just thank you for being so forthcoming with everything that you shared with yeah. us and also yeah, Ellie yeah. Thank you for being patient with me because I feel like I've interrupted you a lot today. Nah, nah, nah. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> I've I've been fascinated by the whole thing. So. And just thank you in general, Ellie. I love you, go. Yeah. I love you too, Daisy. I love you all. Say queen. Love um, Should we end in prayer? No, I'm joking. <laughs> if you guys um, want where can we to... find you, Ellie? Yeah, that uh, thenewfeminist.co.uk is our website where you can find Period. all sorts of content as well as amazing articles written by Daisy, um, which I highly recommend. They're some of our best. Um, and our Instagram is at the New Feminist Magazine. All of our other socials are at TNF Magazine. Um, send bitch. us a DM, and that's <laughs> it. Peace out. Love y'all. Amen. <laughs>